Well, a very pleasant good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Legal Happenings from KRWC. My name is John McCooley, and I'm your volunteer host for this weekly presentation of news and information concerning our court system. We like to share information each week, not only telling you where you might find forms or COVID-19 updates, or more importantly, our legal commentaries from District Court Judges Greg Geller and Stephen Halsey here in the 10th Judicial District, who present a legal uh, explanation of a particular subject. And this week, District Court Judge Greg Geller is going to be talking about the wheels of justice. And a little later on in the program, Judge Stephen Halsey will explain the presumption of innocence. Today we sort of wonder about that. It seems it's you're accused and that's it. It's over. But there is a system, and Judge Halsey lays it out for us here on Legal Happenings this Sunday. Well, thanks for the company. Again, this is a public service program of the station, and it's designed for information uh, to educate and inform the community and those who would like to know more about our court system and where to find forms, how to find legal information. That is from anything from lawhelp.mn here in Minnesota, which has a variety of different forms, or our judicial uh, site, the Minnesota Judicial Branch website that handles all of the self-help information that you could possibly need. Uh, maybe you're taking someone to court. Maybe you have a child support issue. Maybe a, a visitation problem. There's family law, civil law, and all of that is available to you on the computer. Of course, as time goes by, we hope this COVID-19 will lift, and we do hope it will sooner than later. You can get back to those days when we had free law clinics and a lot more activities that allowed people to visit a law clinic on a particular issue. Lawyers are good about sharing their knowledge and it's unfortunate, but because of COVID-19, we have to keep our distances. And uh, But you can still get knowledge and forms from the Minnesota Judicial Branch website. So you might want to write this down. It's www.mncourts.gov. mncourts.gov. And there you'll find all the information you need, again, for self-help folks. There's information on how to file electronically. Uh, once you get on the website, you'll see a listings of a lot of information. Maybe you've been called for jury duty, and you haven't the vaguest idea how that might be, come across. So you'll find information on jury duty, alternative dispute resolution, uh, resolution rather, where people try to work out their problems in a less expensive, less stressful manner something that is fair for everyone involved. And it's just a great website. In fact, it is the premier website in Minnesota covering 87 counties. Each county has some kind of a legal program that can help people, not necessarily in person, but through the phone, through conversations with the court administration and what have you. Sometimes we need to just take the extra effort to reach the courts directly and, uh, for example, here in Wright County, there's new rules and regulations that are in place. But if you want to get information on 
uh, the local requirements of whatever your issue is, then you could visit the Wright County COVID webpage and find information or simply visit the courthouse by contacting either by email or phone. You can call court administration to find out what it is uh, as a court hearing or is it going to be scheduled or what have you. The court administration is a group that handles that. So you might want to check this out. It's number 763-682-7539 for the Wright County Court Administration who can answer your questions about a specific area that you're looking at. And again, go to the Minnesota Judicial Branch website to find laws, for example, on uh, family law, civil law, title problems. Just look under court forms. There'll be a listing from adoption, I think, all the way down to subpoenas. And just look at it and see at all the information that's available to you that you can download and look at and study and see which one applies to you. And all of this is done in plain language, so it's easy to understand. And remember, you are the only one that knows the facts, so you write down what it is you're trying to find, and then you can more intelligently talk with an attorney or with uh, the court administration to find out if you've got the right forms, because they do have a self-help center, and they're always willing to help you. But we just have to contact them to find out the latest uh, as to schedules and so on and so forth, because things are busy in the court system right now, as you can imagine. So uh, do remember this, too, that if you've been served with papers, it's very important in law, a thing called timing. And it's important that if you have been served with papers, be sure to contact a lawyer to make a response as soon as possible because uh, you might default by not responding in the right proper time. So remember this address, helpdesk at mnbar.org. Helpdesk at mnbar.org is the website for the Minnesota State Bar Association, and they can address an issue or get you to the attorney that can help you. Their number also is 612-333-1183. And again, this is basic information to get you out and get started. And uh, when we come back from District Court Judge Greg Geller's talk uh, today, where he's going to be talking about the wheels of justice, we'll uh, try to give you some more information in the limited time we have today. But let's take a break and ride the wheels of justice with District Court Judge Greg Geller. Welcome to my podcast page. This is District Court Judge Greg Galler. In these podcasts, I'll try to explain topics of interest involving Minnesota's courts. I hope that you will find the information helpful and that it will take away some of the mystery of what happens in court. As for my background, I have been a District Court Judge in the 10th Judicial District for over 12 years. The 10th District is made up of the eight counties of Anoka, Chisago, Isanti, Kennebec, Pine, Sherburne, Washington, and Wright. My chambers are located in the city of Stillwater in Washington County. For this reason, some of these podcasts will have a special emphasis on Washington County, Minnesota. Have you ever wondered why it takes so long to conclude a criminal case? Why are there so many hearings and so many steps? 
Today's podcast describes why there are so many steps and why each of those hearings are important. It is sometimes said that the wheels of justice turn slowly but grind exceedingly fine. Many people become frustrated that there are so many steps before a criminal case is concluded. However, the process is better thought of as deliberate rather than slow. Important rights are at stake in a criminal case. A careful and methodical system is needed to protect those rights. Let's assume that Bob Burglar is charged with breaking into a home and stealing a diamond ring. Consider how many people are affected. First, the direct victim of the crime whose home was broken into and their property stolen. Second, the defendant, who faces conviction and punishment. Third, the prosecutor, who represents the general public interest in ensuring that the rules of society, including the rules of court, are upheld. Each has distinct rights that are taken into consideration in the criminal law system. To begin the case, the prosecutor prepares a written document known as a formal complaint that describes the alleged crime and recites the maximum possible criminal penalty. The complaint can't be issued unless both the prosecutor and a judge believe that probable cause exists. At Bob's first appearance in court, the judge is required to advise Bob of his constitutional rights. The case will not proceed unless the judge is satisfied that Bob understands his rights and the charges that he faces. At this initial hearing, the judge may also set release conditions to ensure that Bob will appear for future court proceedings and that public safety is protected. In some Minnesota counties, a holdover rule from the days of when we had a separate county court system breaks this initial hearing into two separate hearings. Next comes the omnibus hearing. This is one of the most important hearings in the process. It allows either side to have the judge decide evidentiary, procedural, constitutional, and statutory issues affecting the case. Bob will also now be formally arraigned. This means he will officially answer the charge by pleading either guilty or not guilty. Unless the case is dismissed at the omnibus hearing, the case next proceeds to a pre-trial conference. This hearing is the last best chance for the two sides to resolve the case before trial. If the case is not settled, the two sides will work with the judge to resolve logistical issues so that the case can be tried fairly and efficiently. The jury trial is the most well-known court appearance. It occurs near the end of the case. Simple trials can be completed in a few hours. Others can take many months. If Bob is found not guilty, the case is over. If he is found guilty, then the case proceeds to a sentencing hearing. The sentencing, where the punishment is decided, is typically the last hearing to take place in most cases. While the process may seem burdensome, the wheels of justice do continue turning. It is a process designed to ensure that everyone has a full and fair opportunity to have their interests heard and protected. That's all for this podcast. I hope that you found it to be helpful. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, or if you have any ideas for future podcasts, please contact me at greg.galler at courts.state.mn.us. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Legal Happenings from KRWC. 
in Buffalo. My name is John McCooley, and if you have a comment, question, concern, accolade, or an objection of something we'd sure like to hear from you one way or the other, you can reach me at lawlibrarian at frontier.com. It's lawlibrarian at frontier.com. I'll be more than happy to answer your question or direct you to some public information situation. And we've been doing this now for about five and a half, six years. And we want to invite you to give us a call. And we'll be happy to see what uh, we could do to help. Also, if you'd like to know an update on the COVID-19 cases that have taken place since its inception back in March, you might want to check out the Wright County Government Center website. There on the front page, you'll see a listing for COVID-19 dashboard. And there you'll find the latest information on this pandemic and the numbers of cases and those that, what age groups, etc. Very comprehensive. It's all right there on the website for you to find. It's updated each Thursday, I believe, at 1 o'clock. So uh, you'll get a pretty current uh, representation of what's happening in our area. Also, I want to remind you, District Court Judge Stephen Halsey is going to be talking about the presumption of innocence in just a few moments. But I wanted to share something I'd received in the mail from the post office, and I wanted to share it with you. And I'm not sharing you, or rather sharing this information with you because I want indicating some kind of a change in politics. That's something we don't get into. But the post office wants us to know that if we really want to get our votes in and get it counted, this is what they say. If you vote by mail, the post office is committed to providing a secure, effective way to deliver your ballot. Use the checklist as noted. One, there's about five things here. Start today. Give yourself and your election officials ample time to complete the process. And number two, Rules and dates vary by state, so contact your election board to confirm dates. And you can find links at usps.com slant voting info. And number three, request your mail-in ballot, often called absentee ballots, at least 15 days before election day. As you know, we're not very far away and we have to start now being prepared. And number four, once received, follow the instructions, add postage to the return envelope if needed. And finally, the post office recommends that you mail your ballot at least seven days before election day. And they have a website that you can find more information about getting your vote counted by mail by visiting usps.com sign voting info, or contact your election board. There you go. It's something that might help you out. We can't wait till the last minute. It's something that's important, and uh, you might like to know that. Also, if you have a question concerning a particular form or something you can't find, uh, may I suggest you contact the Wright County Law Library. Their number is 763 682 7592. And that particular
phone number will be picked up by one of the law librarians, Colleen or maybe Joe, and they will uh, help you as best they can. They've always been very efficient and helpful whenever someone's contacted them. So let's take a quick break and listen to District Court Judge Stephen Halsey as he talks about the presumption of innocence. Hello and welcome to Legal Happenings here on KRWC AM 1360. I'm Judge Steve Halsey from Wright County District Court. Uh, today I'm going to talk about the presumption of innocence. Among the fundamental rights that we all have as U.S. citizens is the presumption of innocence. Whether a citizen gets a speeding ticket, is charged with DWI, or is indicted for murder, the presumption of innocence remains throughout the entire court process, including any appeals if the citizen is convicted by a judge or jury. Unlike the right to counsel or reasonable bail, the presumption of innocence is not in the U.S. or Minnesota constitutions. It is a part of the common law which American jur jurisprudence has followed from the British tradition. Often quoted is British jurist and law commentator Sir William Blackstone, who put it this way in 1765, quotes, It is better that ten guilty persons escape than that one innocent person suffer. Close quotes. The U.S. Supreme Court in 1895 traced the roots of the presumption of innocence to Deuteronomy in the Old Testament and to Roman law. It is unquestioned that this presumption in favor of the defendant has been a principle of Western common law for hundreds of years. Given the media attention that often surrounds serious crimes, it is not surprising that the presumption of innocence may be questioned. However, about 200 convicted felons have been released after serving many years in prison as a result of DNA testing that exonerated them. The Innocence Project reported that the Texas governor on March 9, 2007, pardoned a man convicted of rape over 23 years before that who was exonerated based on DNA evidence. He was the 197th felon in 32 states exonerated through DNA testing. In Minnesota in 2001, a man convicted of rape in, 18, in 1985 was exonerated by DNA testing after the Ramsey County Attorney's Office began a systematic review of pre-1995 convictions to determine if DNA testing would have affected the outcome. The Innocence Project has stated the following, those exonerated by DNA testing aren't the only people who have been wrongfully convicted in recent decades. For every case that involves DNA, there are thousands that do not. Only a fraction of criminal cases involve biological evidence that can be subjected to DNA testing and even, such and even when such evidence exists, it is often lost or destroyed after conviction. Since they don't have access to a definite, definitive test like DNA, many wrongfully convicted people have a slim chance of ever proving their innocence. And that closes close the quote on, uh, from the Innocence Project. So why the presumption of innocence? Consider if you were charged with a serious crime that occurred in a place and at a time that you could not have possibly been present. If your only alibi is that you were home by yourself with no one to vouch for your presence there, how could you possibly prove your innocence if you had to? You would have great difficulty proving that you were not at the crime scene and did not commit the crime. 
So what's the, the question is, what does a defendant have to prove in a criminal case? And the answer is nothing. The prosecution has the burden of proving a criminal defendant guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. The prosecution cannot argue that the jury must decide which story to believe because the defendant does not have to convince the jury of any story. The defendant has a constitutional right to remain silent, cannot be compelled to testify, and the prosecutor cannot comment to the jury about the defendant's failure to testify. Prosecutors are prohibited from attacking the presumption of innocence. Prosecutors, for example, cannot argue to the jury that the presumption of innocence is only for the truly innocent and is not a shield for the guilty. All of these rules are necessary to ensure that a person's presumption is fully prote protected. The presumption of innocence is one of the fundamental rights which we all enjoy as members of a democratic society governed by law. It is a, it is a fundamental right that you have and which must be protected. That concludes my comments. Uh, this is Judge Steve Halsey from Wright County District Court. If you have any questions or comments about my comments, you can send me an email at stephen.halsey at courts.state.mn.us. Thank you for listening to Legal Happenings. Thank you, Judge Halsey, for today's commentary. Next week, I believe, Judge Halsey's uh, commentary is going to be on the subject of trespassing for hunters who will be going out soon enough to get the fall game. And a reminder, too, that school buses are out, and we're constantly reminded to be careful around school buses because, obviously, there's children out there getting on and off the buses, and school is... Uh, very active place these days. A lot of school buses moving around. And, uh, please be, ad be advised that follow the rules, stay back, and let's get our kids to school safely. Finally, if you have a problem with domestic abuse, it can happen. It happens way too much and our family is struggling today. A lot of stress. Remember that there's a crisis nursery serving Wright County if you need a place for the kids. Just remember, there is a place available. Crisis Nursery that serves our Wright County area has a phone number for their crisis line. It's 763-271-1681. 763-271-1681. And they can help you out uh, as well as uh, protect the kids as best they can. And the Rivers of Hope, of course, is the advocacy group that helps people get, well, attempts to reduce violence within the family. Just remember Rivers of Hope. You can reach them at 1-800-439-2642, and they can help you because they're available 24-7 to help uh, settle down and help get the family back together again. Very knowledgeable and helpful people for years here in our county. Well, it's really time to uh, wrap it up for today. I can't believe how quickly the time goes. I wish I could share more information with you. But again, if you have a question or comment or would like to uh, just say hi, please write me at lawlibrarian at frontier.com. I'd be more than happy to acknowledge your call and just say hi. Um, perhaps some of you might remember me from years ago at Wright County or Sherburne when I was the law librarian. Well, 
We'd like to hear from you all, but most importantly, we want you to be safe, and uh, we do hope you'll give us a chance to, to uh, give you more information at a future date. These programs are designed to inform and educate you as best we can, and we're not really uh, uh, here to just give any kind of legal advice. We are all here as providing basic public information, the kind you can find online or whatever. But contact the Minnesota State Bar Association if you need an attorney. So until next week, we wish you well, and we hope you'll join us again here on Legal Happenings. Thank you, and God bless.